0: go to Matthew 26 and verse 28. Matthew 26 and verse 28. Matthew 26 and verse 28, the Lord Jesus himself says, for this is is my blood of the new covenant. Of course, he came, established the new covenant. There's an old covenant. We'll learn about, about all of that. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So, of course, a series on the subject of covenant over the next several weeks. And a covenant is a legal agreement between two or more parties. Now, you might think of a covenant is a contract, but a covenant is actually much deeper than a contract. A contract typically is just one part of a covenant. See, a covenant is much deeper than just a contract. Uh, 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 A contract is typically just one part of covenant, which would be known as covenant terms. We'll see that as we go and Obviously, in the United States here, of what I'm aware of, contracts don't mean all that much. Can be broken very easily. Get, a, get an attorney, they'll get you out of it somehow or another. But a covenant wasn't so. To get out of a covenant, oft, oft times it would cost you your life. Because covenants were until death. It's like a handshake. A handshake, you need to realize that, you know, a handshake doesn't mean much anymore, does it? it used to be a handshake and a person's word was their bond. But a handshake, you know, has lost, its, lost its, uh, its importance to us, at least what I know anything about. But, you know, a handshake is something that, as we'll see, came from a, from a blood covenant. Handshake. See, living over here in the in the West, we don't we 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 don't understand covenant like the people in 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 the East. You start talking covenant to them, particularly in the Bible days. You start talking covenant, and that got everybody's attention. You were entering in, in entering into something that was, you know, we're talking about the blood covenant, but you were entering into something that was cold bloodedly serious. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's what we're going to talk about. Covenant, blood covenant, is the oldest known practice to mankind. Among those who believe in God and those who don't. It's the most solemn and binding agreement between two parties. Much more than just a contract or a a verbal spoken word even. And it cannot be broken without penalty of death. Think of marriage. Think of marriage. What, what do the bride and the groom say during the ceremony? Until death do us part. The only way really to get out of the marriage covenant is death. Now, there are some things in the Bible that, you know, that talk about divorce. God is, you know, he hates divorce, you know. And I taught a series on that some time ago. And there are some, you know, sexual immorality and things like that. But really, in the, in the purest form, the only way out of a marriage covenant is death. And the Bible says that the one that survives, the surviving spouse, is free to go on and marry again in, in the Lord. Uh, I know one minister uh, who'd been married, I don't know, 40 or 50 years, him and his wife, and somebody asked him if they'd ever considered divorce, and he said, no, but we have considered murder a few times, you know. (laughs) Uh, Of course, uh, of course, he was just joking, I think, you know. But, uh So marriage is a blood covenant, actually. If you get in and study it, it it really is. There's an exchange of, just think of it, there's an exchange of rings, isn't there? That's a token, right? There's an exchange, really, of of names, right? Isn't it, you know? And and we'll talk about all of that as we go. But just think about a a marriage. It is sad here in the United States, and I suppose around the world, that about half of all marriages... Whether you're believers or not, end in divorce. You see, folks don't understand covenant. You know, when, I, when she walked the aisle to me, it was forever until death do us part. Uh, something else, think about a marriage covenant. You know, when you married me, any money that I had, and, and we, we see this a lot, folks that get married... And their marriages never are all that they should be because he's got his money and she's got her money. Did you hear what I just said? He's got his stuff over here, she's got her stuff over here. When you get married, when we got married, anything that I had, all assets that I had became hers. And all liabilities that I had became hers. And vice versa. So you see, you can see just, just from what you know, you, you probably know more about a blood covenant than you realize just thinking about a marriage. She had a house, I had five acres of ground. When we got married, her name went on my five acres and my name went on her house. Our money was all, it wasn't hers and mine, it was ours together. That, you see, that's covenant. You know, and... and, and You touch her, to get to her, you're going to have to come through me. You try to hurt her, I'm going to hurt you before you ever get to her. And vice versa, right? See, we're talking about covenant here. You You start talking bad about me and she'll fly right down your throat. Isn't that the way it ought to be? I said, isn't that the way it ought to be? You'd be surprised how many... Spouses talk bad about their spouse behind their back. And you start talking bad about her, I'll go off on you. Why? Because we're in covenant. Now don't look at me like that. You know, well, he's just not, it's not love what he just said. No, that is love. Wouldn't you agree you try to hurt my wife? You're going to you're gonna have to come through me. Because we're in covenant. Okay. Actually, if you really study into this, when, you, when a person hooks up with a local church... we we get in covenant of sorts with one another. So if somebody tries to hurt you, guess what? They're going to have to go through me to get to you. Did you hear what I just said? If if the devil tries to come at you and get you in some way, as your pastor, I'm going to stand in there and and fight him in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's a covenant between us. And, and And you see so many times you'll see folks go out after lunch. I'm not saying in this church, but it, it has happened in this church. I think it's happened in any church. I'm not saying it's going on now, but folks will go out and talk bad about the pastor at lunch, after church. Well, those folks don't understand anything about covenant, do they? See, if anybody tried to hurt me, what would what would you do? You'd want to get in there and and defend me. Is that right? That's that's covenant. That's covenant. It was common, uh, blood covenant was common among the American Indian tribes. Have you ever heard about blood brothers? And they'd cut covenant. And you'd see it a lot of times a weaker tribe. Guess what they'd want to do? They'd want to get in covenant with a stronger tribe. Because once they're in covenant with that stronger tribe, if if someone came against the weaker tribe, then guess what? It was uh, the, the 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 stronger tribe that the weaker tribe was in covenant with. They were obligated to protect that weaker tribe. Did did you get what I just said there? And of course, the blood covenant is common today in many foreign countries. Like I said, here in the West, it's 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 blind to us really what a covenant really is. We understand a little bit about a marriage covenant, but in this series, I'm going to look at the the importance and the seriousness of covenant. And of course, sad to say, you'll find covenants in witchcraft, and of course, this is an abuse, you know. But covenant, uh, the Hebrew word is berith, the Greek word is diatiki, the Latin word is testament. Have you ever heard old testament and new testament? New testament? Well really, old covenant, new covenant, covenant and testament, it's the same word, it's the same thing. The Latin word for for covenant is testament. So if I say old covenant, I'm really saying Old Testament. If I say new covenant, I'm really saying New Testament. All you have to do is open your Bible up there on the first, first once you get past you know all the, you know the marriages and family stuff, you know, <laughs> you know, the lineage of your family and whatnot. It says right here, it says what the Old Testament, old Testament really the old covenant and then of course if you go over you know to right before Matthew what are you going to find over there it's going to say what it's going to say new let's say New Testament isn't it or we could say the new covenant covenant, covenant testament same thing and uh, if you ever read a will sometimes or well, a testament you sometimes you think of a will don't you Last what? Last will and testament. Now, the thing you need to know about covenant, see, when we say covenant, oftentimes we'll think of a contract, and like I said, a contract is part of a covenant. But the word the word covenant in the Bible, it means it means this. It means to cut. Until the shedding of blood occurs, that's what you start talking about covenant in the Bible. For the for the most part, it's a it, it 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 means to cut. I mean, you might be able to find some minor covenants here and there where they didn't they didn't shed blood, but. major covenants and so forth. The word covenant means to cut until what? There is a shedding of blood. Now, would you say that's more involved than just signing a contract? Huh? Yes Yes or no? I mean, we're going to enter into a covenant I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but but uh, it needs to go in right here. If we were going to enter into a covenant, many times what would happen is, is the palms of like the right hand. I'd cut my palm, cut until what there's a shedding of, and then you'd cut your hand until there's a shedding of blood, and then we'd and we'd mingle blood. Now, I'm not saying you need to go out and do that with somebody. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that's what... what that, you, see, you see how serious that... That's serious stuff. That's serious business, isn't it? If you're going to intermingle your blood with someone else. Well, that's what they did in Bible days. And that's what the, the American Indian tribes would oft do. Oft times do. Serious stuff. Now, in uh, Hebrews 8, 6, I want you to look at this. It says, Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch he is also mediator. Go between or you know what a mediator is. Somebody that gets in between two parties. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Jesus is God, but he's also man, isn't he? 100% God, 100% man. And he's the mediator between God and man. He has a more excellent ministry. He's the mediator of a what? Of a what? You all, you all can read, right? What does that say up there? He's a mediator of a what? A better covenant. Uh, We could say it this way. Covenant means shedding of blood. Covenant means shedding of blood. So Jesus is the mediator of a better shedding of blood. Do you ever think of it that way? We have a better shedding of blood in the New Testament than we had in the Old. Think about that for, for a moment. In the old, the shedding of blood was animals. Is that right? In the new covenant, the shedding of blood is whose blood? Jesus. Isn't that a better shedding of blood? Yeah. Do you ever think of it that way? We have a better shedding of blood. We have a better shedding of blood. We live under a, bl- better, we live under a better covenant. It's a better shedding of blood. I'd rather have Jesus' blood shed for me than an, just an animal's blood in the Old Old Testament. How about you? It's a better covenant that we have, which was established on better promises. Now, later on in this series, we won't get to it today, but in, as we go on, I'll show you what the better promises are. But you would agree that to understand why the new covenant is better, than the old, you'd have to understand something about the old, wouldn't you? Yes or no? Yes. So we'll, 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 look at, we'll look at the old covenant and consider that. And uh, find, I think it'll be interesting, fascinating. And uh, when you understand the old covenant, then you'll see just how much better the new is. Now, uh, I don't think anybody would be bored with this subject. But I want to tell you something. How many of you are interested in God? How many many of you love Him and you're interested in Him and you're interested in interacting with Him? How many of you are interested in interacting with Him in prayer? Or in any way? Then you have to understand covenant. Because that's how He operates. He does not operate apart from covenant. Did you hear me? So if you don't understand anything about covenant, then you're going to have a real dickens of a time understanding and interacting with God to any degree at all. Because He is a God of covenant. Notice Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. Powerful verse of Scripture it says, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who does what who what who who what he he keeps covenant and mercy for a day or two no tell he, till he just gets tired or tell till you goof up and don't do what you're supposed to no it didn't say that, did it it says he keeps covenant to how long for what uh thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. God is a God of covenant. He's faithful and he keeps covenant for a thousand generations. He's a God of covenant. He's a God of the blood covenant. And we must understand that because everything he does in some way, shape, form, or fashion goes back to the blood covenant. Whether it's in the Old Covenant, Old Testament, or the New, it's all about the blood. Now, we see, you see, you see people say, well, where, where did we get the blood covenant from? Where, where did we get the, how, do, how did mankind ever come up with this idea of blood covenant? We got it off of the, the Lord God. You see it all the way back in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. Notice, if you would, Genesis 3.21... Adam and Eve sinned. And of course, what did God do? You know, they tried to cover themselves with leaves. Is that right? Did, didn't they? With leaves. Didn't they take leaves and try to cover themselves and made coverings or some sort of covering or other? But notice what God did. Genesis 3.21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin... And clothed them. Well, to get for God to get those tunics of skin, He was going to have to kill animals. Is that right? At least one, maybe more. Maybe one for him, one for her. I don't know. But but there had to be to get the. To, listen to me to get to get the the coats of uh, of skin for the coats that He made for them, tunics of skin. What ha- had to happen to those animals? They had to be killed. killed. And when and then when they were killed, there, there was no doubt a what? A, a what? A shedding of blood. So God had a covenant with Adam and Eve. A blood covenant with them. And thank God for it. See, in the old covenant... Now I'll just, just say this right now. In the Old Covenant, we've said this to you many times over the years, but it bears repetition. In the Old, and it's one reason the New covenant's better than the Old. In the Old Covenant, the blood of the animals covered sin. But if something's covered, it can be uncovered. The blood of Jesus doesn't just cover sin. No, it eradicates it. It removes it as though it never happened in the first place. Isn't that better? But God had a covenant. He made a covenant, a blood covenant with Adam and Eve. And, uh, of course, when, uh, and we'll see this as we go, whenever there was a a covenant cut, there were, were always like terms of the covenant, like the contract. And promises made. If you're taking notes, covenant is all about promise. Promises made and promises kept. Promises. Promises. That's what a covenant... I promise... When I married her, I promised that I'd be faithful to her. I promised that I'd protect her. I promised I'd be with her in good times and in, 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 in not so good times. Promise. 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 And it's interesting here in Genesis 3.15... Now, I know that God is speaking to the serpent here who's representative of the devil. He's really talking to the devil, but it was a promise to all mankind. He said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Woman doesn't have seed, so he's talking about the virgin birth right there. He'll bruise your head and you'll bruise his heel. What did God just do here? He promised us Jesus right there in that verse you see that? So there was a blood covenant. God brought him tunics of skin. And you and you, and you see this, and we'll see, we're going to go there here in just a minute. God cannot be approached without blood. You can't approach God without blood. Absolutely. You'll be obliterated if you do. He cannot be approached without blood. And uh so when Adam and Eve sinned, and you'll see that mankind often—we aren't we always trying to work our way to God somehow or another? How many of you know our works won't get the job done? We have to depend on God, don't we? And and, and right here, Adam and Eve—they couldn't approach Him, so. He brought the. You see, when they made those leaves for themselves, that shows human work. But God, that was not acceptable to Him. What? What? What was those tunics of skin and the shedding of that blood? What did it do? It covered Adam's sin. Think of it: an innocent animal had to be, and you study into it. We'll see as we go. Spotless, a spotless innocent animal had to die in in place. See, the Bible says, "A soul that sinneth, it shall die." And so sin is an ugly thing, dear friends. And when, when we commit sin, we're worthy of what? Death. But God is so good, he, in the old covenant, He said, no, no, you don't have to die. I'll accept this, I'll accept this animal, this sinless, spot, spotless animal, if you will. I'll accept that animal's blood to cover your sin until I can get Jesus into the earth. We'll see how, how God did that. Until I can get Jesus, the Lamb of God, into the earth, and He can shed... Blood like no other. Say amen, somebody. That will not just cover sin, but eradicate it. You understand that? Now, you, you, why the blood? Why the blood? Levit- real quickly, Leviticus seventeen eleven. Why blood? Why blood? Why blood? The Bible says, "I'm going to read these quickly." For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. That's what God's saying. Notice Hebrews 9:22, Hebrews 9:22. "But according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no what? No remission, no remission of sin. And then in Hebrews 9, 7, I said a moment ago, God cannot be approached without blood. Let me give you a scripture on that. Hebrews 9, 7. But into the second part, this is talking about under the old covenant, you know. Under the law of Moses. The second part, the holiest of the holies, you know. The high priest went alone on the day of atonement once a year. And now watch this. When he went in there, the Bible says... He didn't go in there without something. What? What did he go in there without? Blood. Not without blood. The blood of the animals, right? You approach God apart from blood, and 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 you, me, anybody will be absolutely obliterated. Blood's a powerful thing, isn't it? I don't have this in my notes, but but I remember when. And, and by the way talking about where we got the blood covenant, we got it from God. We see it with, Ab- with Adam and Eve in the garden. But then uh, Adam and Eve had two kids. Uh, they had more than that, but two The na- named Cain and Abel, right? And of course, we understand that Abel brought to God the firstlings of his flock, didn't he? And presented the firstlings of his flock He presented those, I suppose, lambs to the Lord, and they were acceptable to him because of faith and all of that. But still, you can see with the animals, there's a shedding of blood there, right? Abel brought that. But Cain brought the works of the ground, didn't he? And, and there's much we can say about it, but one thing you, you can inject here is that with Cain's offering, there was no blood there, was there? Now, there's other things you can say, and some folks would argue with me on that, and that, that, you know, that if Cain would have brought the first and the best, God would have accepted it. But for this study, can you see with Abel's offering, there was blood involved? And with Cain's, there wasn't. And you see, Abel, he understood some things about the blood covenant, didn't he? Right? Where do we get the blood covenant? Did did man just think it up? Where do we get it? See if you're learning anything. Got it from from God. Also, too, after Cain killed Abel, doesn't the Bible say, God God spoke to Cain and, and said, Your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Is that right? And then, I believe in the New Testament... Uh, the Bible says the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Is that right? So apparently, and and I don't know how all this works, but apparently in the spirit realm, blood speaks. However that works, I don't know, but the life of the flesh is in the blood. We just read that. And it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul and without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins. And the high priest when he approached God, he didn't do it without blood, did he? And look at Hebrews 10:19, look at Hebrews 10:19 for us today, you and me talking about you and me Aren't you glad when, that, that when we approach God we don't have to go out like they did in the old covenant and, go, and get a lamb and bring the lamb and kill it and so on, have the high priest or the priest, the priest rather, kill it and so forth? How many is glad we don't have to go through all that? Amen. But we still cannot approach God without blood. Therefore, brethren, have in boldness to enter the holiest by the... By the what? So, we don't approach God without the blood of Jesus is that right you You do understand that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he took his own blood all of it i don't know how it all works, but all of it he took i don't know i don't know how he got it up there i don't know, but that you know some things we don't it's like on Gilligan's Island. You don't try to figure out how come Mister and Missus Howell had all those. They went for a three-hour tour and they had all those clothes the last three seasons. You don't ask. You don't ask those things, right? <laughs> Is that right? You just don't ask something you don't ask. But, but we know the Bible says Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, he went into the holy of holies in heaven, and on that heavenly holy mercy seat, he placed and presented his holy blood that sealed eternal redemption for all time isn't that wonderful and so when we come boldly to the throne of grace the reason we can come boldly is because there's something on that 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 heavenly mercy seat and that would be the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that spotless holy blood can you say amen? amen so you see we don't approach see we got the blood covenant when we approach God you can't approach him without blood can you they couldn't in the old covenant. We can't in the, in the new. We just got a better. We got a what a better a better deal. Because his blood, see, the animals' blood had to be shed continuously and year after year and all of that. But his blood's been shed. Jesus' blood shed once and for all. It's exciting. Now, let me just list for you some of the major covenants in the Bible. When you talk about covenant, most people will they'll say, "Well, the old covenant and the new covenant," and that's about as far as they know. Now, there there, there were several major ones, but, but I do want to mention this one because there were there were different folks getting covenant with this group here and this group here and so forth. So we could talk for hours about all of that, but I'm not going to go that direction. Just look at the major ones. I did want to mention this one though. There was a covenant that david had with a man named jonathan remember that saul's son one of saul's sons and uh long story short in the process of time jonathan was killed in battle and in the process of time david was king and he said uh, he said is there any one of the descendants of jonathan that i that i can bless and how many of you know jonathan he had a little son who had grown by the time david asked the question but when he was his name was mephibosheth ever hear him and he was, he was crippled at five years old. And when he heard that the king was coming for him, he thought right away that David was coming to kill him because when a new king came into power, you take the descendants of the old king and kill everybody. So none of them could rise up against you. You understand that. And little Mephibi, I call him Mephibi, little Mephibosheth, you know, he, he thought David was coming and, and coming to kill him. But, but I'm just putting this in my own words. But when the king's, David's men showed up, guess what? They, long story short, they took Mephibosheth, brought him to the king's palace and, and, and set him at the king's table. And he got to eat at the king's table. Why was that? Because his daddy was in covenant with the king. And they made covenant before David became king, if I'm not mistaken. But all those years later, David remembered the covenant. And Mephibosheth was in on that covenant, because he was in Jonathan when the covenant, you know, he was part of the seed of his body, and so forth and so on, you know. And all those years later, he's still in that covenant. I'm thoroughly convinced, one reason, not the only reason, but one reason that the judgment of God hasn't fallen to to a massive degree on this nation is because of of our founding fathers, the, the majority of them, and the relationship they had with Almighty God when they founded this nation. You need to realize that the judgment of God is pending on this nation. You can't kill as many babies as, as, as we kill in this nation and just, just sweep it under the rug. It's not acceptable. And until, I tell you what, until God is put back in the public square and back in the public school, and until abortion is outlawed in this nation, and until uh, the uh, same sex marriage thing is put back like it's supposed to be, marriage is between a man and a woman as husband and wife. Judgment of God depends on the nation. But I'm convinced that one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons God hasn't brought more judgment and, and, and serious judgment to this nation is because of, the, how many of you know, the majority of those founding fathers were, were, were Christians. And they founded this nation based on God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God remembers Covenant. And we better be real glad that they were godly men, most of them. Much more I could say about it, but I don't want to get off subject. Adamic covenant, we already mentioned it, didn't we? And I'll say more about it when we get into the study of the book of Genesis on Wednesday nights. There was a Noahic covenant. You remember Noah? Go to Genesis 9, verse 8. I'm going to have to... I get in and start teaching on covenant. I teach all day on it, so I've got to pick a stopping point here. You enjoying this? Yes. Yes. You wouldn't tell me no, would you? No. <coughs> no. <coughs> Don't need to. We're it. Genesis 9, 8. Well, if you love the Word of God, yes. you'll be hanging on every word here. Too much entertainment going on in pulpits of this nation and not enough teaching of the Word of God. People of this nation have been conditioned to be entertained. That's sad, isn't it? We need to be conditioned. We need to be reconditioned back to sitting and listening to the Word of God and applying it to our everyday lives. Genesis 9, verse 8, Then God spoke to Noah and his sons with him. You know, this is right after the flood. And as for me, behold, I'll establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. See, a covenant wasn't just about about the person getting into the covenant. It was about his descendants. They were all part of the covenant if they wanted to be in it. We'll say more about that as we go. I'll establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign. See, covenants typically had signs. This is a sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow. You know that's God's rainbow, isn't it? Those colors belong to God. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. Now I'll, I'll remember my covenant. You need to remember that. God remembers his covenant. I'll remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and And every living creature of all flesh that's on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that's on the earth. I'm glad that rainbow's there. How about you? I said, covenants have signs, token signs. Like a marriage, it it would be a, a wedding ring, wouldn't it? Then there's, so there's the Adamic covenant. We've talked about that a little bit. The Noahic covenant. Then there's the Abrahamic covenant. Now, we're going to get in as we go. We're going to delve down on this one. Notice, if you would, Genesis seventeen seven. A lot of people think that the Abrahamic covenant has been uh, done away with, but it hasn't. We're part, we're part of the Abrahamic covenant, and we'll, we'll teach you that as we go. The Mosaic covenant, the law has been, it's, it's, it's passed away. We're not under that But we are part of this Abrahamic covenant You cannot get to heaven without being part of this Abrahamic covenant We'll teach teach you that as we go Because this Abrahamic covenant is all about Jesus Okay But I can't get to that today We don't have time But let me just go on here And then we'll go on a little bit longer We'll conclude Notice Genesis 17, 7 He said, I'll establish my covenant between me and you Now God's talking to Abraham here and we'll see how God changes name and all that as we go. But and I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you see your descendants after you in their generations for a what? For a uh, now do you understand what everlasting means? It's everlasting. It's an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. See, the Abrahamic covenant is an everlasting covenant. Now, a lot of times when people say Old Covenant, they think about Abrahamic covenant. But actually, when we say Old Covenant, we ought to be thinking about the law of Moses. And we're not under that. And I'll show you why that's there, why why it was put in. But the Abrahamic, the Mosaic covenant is not an everlasting covenant, but the Abrahamic covenant is. And it's an everlasting covenant... And it's all about Jesus. And uh, you need to realize that Abraham has natural descendants and, and spiritual descendants. You know there's a lot of people think that just because they're a natural Jew that they're saved. But you know the Bible says they're not. And I, I, I give you scripture after scripture, verse after verse on that. From the New Testament. Just because you're a natural Jew... Now, now you've got it. there is a covenant that you have with God. If you're a natural Jew, i tell you what, we'll see this as we go. I don't want to be fooling with the natural Jews. You know what I mean when I say fooling with them? I mean I don't want to be picking on them. You know one of the most dangerous things about being the President of the United States is not an assassin's bullet. The most dangerous thing about being President of the United States is how he deals with the nation of Israel. You better deal with the nation of Israel and you better be nice to him. Period. Can you say Amen? Yes. Because they do have a covenant with God, but they're not saved and going to heaven unless they receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Simple as that. I can't put it any more simply than that. And I could give you I could give you scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture that brings that out and bears that out. Read the Book of Romans sometime. And other is much on it. But the Abrahamic covenant don't get that confused with the Mosaic covenant. You know, the law of Moses. And and, and next week we're going to delve down on this Abrahamic covenant and it is fascinating. And God put that in there. He he found a man that would believe him so he could cut covenant with him. Fascinating the way God did that. And he set that covenant covenant up not between him and Abraham. Really, yes, it's between him and Abraham but really it's between the father and the son. Glory to God. And we'll see how, how God cut that, how, how the Father and the Son walked that figure eight between, oh, it's between those animals. It's, it's fascinating. Fascinating. We'll get to it next week. There's the Davidic Covenant. If you're taking notes, Davidic Covenant. Davidic Covenant. And all that did was amplify the natural descendant aspect of the Abrahamic Covenant, where God promised David that one of his descendants would sit on his throne forever. How many of you know who that descendant is? His name is after the flesh. It's Jesus, right? Then there's the Mosaic covenant, also known as the law of Moses. And then finally, there's the new covenant. And the new covenant is a culmination of the Abrahamic covenant. It's a culmination of the Abrahamic covenant. See, when Jesus said, how many remembers him on the cross? One of the things he said, it is finished. Well, there's several things that, that he, he, he could be referring to there. I think there were five different things he was referring to when he said it is finished. You'd agree if, every, if every, everything was finished, then he wouldn't even need to be raised from the dead. Is that right? How many know he need to be raised from the dead? How I many of you know he needed to go into heaven and present his blood on the heavenly mercy seat? Is that right? So I could, I could teach for an hour on what, what he meant when he said it is finished. But one of the five things that he meant was that old covenant, the, the law of Moses. Not the Abrahamic covenant, but the, the, the Mosaic covenant, the law of Moses was finished. And we didn't have to, ha- we're not under that anymore. Can you say Amen. And again, that means that when we sin, we don't have to go out and get get the animal and bring it to the temple and have the priest kill it on our behalf. We don't have to do that. We just go with a repentant heart before Almighty God and confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and the blood of Jesus is ever active to forgive us. Can you say amen? Amen. It's a better covenant. Now... uh, Let's go to Galatians 3, and I'll, and I'll stop with this today. And then next week, what I'll do is, I'm going to pick up next week, and I'm going to show you the, the, the 10 steps for entering into a blood covenant, and then we'll look at how God and Abraham went through those 10 steps, and then how, after that, how Jesus went through those 10 steps. We'll get to that over the next two, three, four weeks, Okay? But let's conclude here with Galatians three and just kind of compare the Abrahamic covenant a little bit to the Mosaic covenant. Take me about five minutes and then we'll stop. Galatians three sixteen. Now to Abraham and his seed. Now in the New King James, that's capital S on seed. He's talking about Jesus right there. To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now, he was talking to Abraham when God made promises. Remember, a covenant is about a promise. But when he was talking to Abraham, he was really, and he promised him seed. Yeah, Isaac, all right, but who would eventually come from Isaac all the way many 2,000 years later? Who showed up born of a virgin? Jesus. So when he says seed there, if that word seed's not capitalized in your Bible, you ought to capitalize it because he's talking about Jesus. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, as of many, uh, uh, but as of one, and your, and to your seed, who is who? Who is the seed? Who is it? It's Christ. So he was talking to Abraham, but he was referring to Jesus. And this I say, that the law, realize I say the law, law. the law, that's M- Moses, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the the Abrahamic covenant. That was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make make the promise, see that's talking about the Abrahamic covenant, of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? The law of Moses. It was added because of what? It was given to curb sin, wasn't it? But it was given until when? Until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Who is that seed? Jesus. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate Uh, For one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. See, if there was any... Remember when Jesus said, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. Was there any other way? If there had been any other way, God would have done it another way. If there had been any other way to save us, He'd have done it. But the only way was Jesus to go to that cross. Verse 22, "...but the Scripture is confined all under sin that the promise..." Talking about the Abrahamic covenant. "...by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe." How many of you believe? I believe. If you can't raise your hand on that, you need to get saved. "...but therefore... But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which should afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ." Simply put, why did God put the, put the Mosaic law in there? Simply put, why did he put all that, the temple and the sacrifices and the blood, the blood of the animal, why did he put all that in? It was, our, it was our schoolmaster, our teacher, to do one thing to bring us where? To Christ. Actually, the law was put in to get to point people to the Abrahamic covenant. That we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. We're not under the law anymore, are we? For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized, and that's not talking about water baptism, that's talking about being baptized in... and it's not talking about being Holy Ghost baptized. That's talk, talking about being believing on Jesus and being baptized into the body of Christ, getting born again. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ to put on Christ, there's neither Jew or Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. For if you are Christ, how many of you belong to Christ? If you are Christ, now if you can't raise your hand, you need to get saved because if you're not Christ, you're going to hell. It's, it's, if, you're not, if you're not in Christ... You're going to hell. You don't, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell, right? How do you get in Christ? Repent of your sins, say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. That quick you get in Christ, if you mean business when you say it. And, and then, uh, verse 29, one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to to the promise. Now, if, if folks really understood what all that said, if you really understood that, we'd all be jumping up and down, shouting hallelujah. Absolutely. Uh, if, if I gave you a million dollars, I guarantee it to you, everybody in here would be excited. Well, verse 29 is worth a whole lot more than a million, a billion, a trillion, or a gazillion. 29 has to do with your eternal, where you're going to spend eternity. If you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. See, we're in Christ. Christ is in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're in Christ. He's in us. If you're Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I tell you what I'm going to show you, that getting in covenant with Almighty God through the Lord Jesus Christ is one of the best things that you or I could ever do. Because you see, when you come into covenant with somebody, all the good stuff they have, you get, you understand? And if you don't have too much, you to get in covenant with somebody that's got a lot I tell you what God has a lot can you say amen and when we got into covenant with him you see we didn't have diddly squat we had nothing we were lost wretches on our way to the devil's hell but you see God in his gracious mercifulness you know he sent Jesus to the cross he shed his holy blood he died up there he was raised from the dead glory to God and when we receive him praise God forevermore see we come to him with dirty filthy rags our righteousness is as filthy rags but I tell you what we come to him and glory to God he takes the blood of Jesus washes those rags away and he gives us a robe of righteousness a gown of salvation can you say amen glory to God forevermore we, You see, we come to him with, with hell as our eternity and he has heaven and we make the swap. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And on it goes. We come to him, we're defenseless. We don't have any defenses against the devil. But you see, we come to him and we get in covenant with him and he, I tell you, he makes all the hosts of heaven available to us in the name of Jesus. And he's he, he protects glory to God. Can you say amen? Praise God forevermore. The Bible says that he became poor that we might become rich. We didn't have diddly squat. We didn't have, a, we didn't have two quarters to rub together. But you come to him. How many of you know the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. So we come with nothing. We get into covenant with him. And all of a sudden, we're running a cattle on a thousand. Glory to God. Can you? My God, this is good stuff. And I hadn't even gotten to the good stuff yet. But that, that's pretty good. That is good stuff.